So um, if, if you ever do any DIY, any DIYers out there, um, you'll know that one of the most common instructions that they give you in sort of DIY instructions is make sure you have adequate time to complete the task. Um, and in my, unfortunately, in my experience, that is one of the most commonly um, ignored um, aspects of the instructions. Um, and in practice, I should probably read it as however long you could possibly conceive this is going to take, you can multiply that by five. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, for example, our washing machine broke down. And so that evening, I decided that I was going to fix it. My wife, Abby, um, queried, are you sure you want to start that this, this late? And uh, but of course, I was like, it's not a big job. It won't take a moment. And of course, um, four hours later, having had this wrestling match with a lump of metal, I had nothing to show for my time except soggy knees, um, detergent in my hair for some reason, um, and uh, a half-flooded house. And worst of all, actually, in my sort of irritation and haste, I'd gone to fetch additional tools from a cupboard and a, a hammer dropped out of my tool bag um, onto our immaculate and recently laid hallway tiles, cracking one of them. So I was like, ah, more time, great. And that's what I want to talk about today, that word, time. I want to talk about time today. We're going to get philosophical. Um, I want to talk about how we experience time and the way it makes us feel. Um, time can make us feel like it made me feel that day, stressed sometimes, when it feels like it's in short supply. I think sometimes time can make us feel a bit possessive when we're aware that our time is being impinged upon. You know, if you think about the language that we use, we talk about giving, spending time, sparing time. It's something we save and invest. And, of course, we live in a, a culture that says time is money because, essentially, we often see time as a resource um, that's to be used to help us achieve our goals and consequently, we can become quite possessive of it, especially if we feel like our time is being wasted. And I don't know about you, but I find that I, I, I sometimes struggle to spend any length of time inactive. If I'm in a queue, um, it's only a few moments before I'm itching to get my phone out and start to, you know, like at least make some use of this time that I would otherwise be doing nothing. Or um, I don't know if you, you, you would also feel like some, I feel personally offended by my computer if it has the audacity to show me that little whirring circle and ask me to wait um, for, for a few seconds while it does what it would take me weeks to do. Um, I, or sim I heard the definition of a, a nanosecond um, is the amount of time it takes for the car behind you to blast the horn if you fail to notice that the traffic lights have changed. And if you ever experienced that, like, well, how did you do that that quickly? When time is in short supply, the passing of each second can mount our anxiety. And of course, over longer periods of life, as those seconds turn into days and the days turn into years, the passing of time can also cause us to worry. You know, when we look in the, um, in the mirror and we see some wrinkles that weren't there um, uh, last time we looked, or a bunch of grey hairs, um, put it this way, is there anyone in this room who, when you have that experience, you look in the mirror, is there anyone who says, yes, I'm getting older, awesome. No, most of us don't. We, and we have whole industries in this world based around this idea that getting old is not perceived as a good thing. Apparently, the global anti-wrinkle products market, I guess like anti-wrinkle cream, had a value of over $20 billion last year. 
because we live in a culture that doesn't see the irreversible tick, tick, ticking of time as a good thing. But why, why, why is that? It's interesting, if you go right back to the start of the, of the, the Bible story, um, back to Adam and Eve, originally, um, for them, time didn't, wasn't a source of stress or something for them to fear. Um, and it was only actually when, when sin entered the world that Adam and Eve's experience of time, and then subsequently all of humanity's experience of time, became tainted by the effects of sin. Because then the passing of time became associated with the process of aging, deterioration, decay, and this ever-advancing reality of, of death. And consequently, time has come to become something that is a source of worry and fear. But none of that was God's original design. And actually, the idea that I want to explore today is that time is something God designed for us to experience as a series of opportunities, really. Different types of opportunities. Opportunities to experience relationship with him and express every aspect of our identity and our human nature. Opportunities for God's glory to be manifest as we witness, as creation witnesses, his plans unfolding through time. And opportunities for us to share the love and the message of Jesus with those around us. And so today, what my hope is that we can have an opportunity to explore those opportunities further. And that's what we're going to do. And naturally, um, we'll begin at the beginning in the book of Genesis chapter 1. If you've got a Bible, you might want to turn there. It's at the beginning. Okay, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Recently, um, as I kissed my daughter goodnight, in an act of bedtime stalling genius tactics, uh, she asked me the question, so um, who made God then? If any parents ever been asked that one? And so I was like, well, nobody made God. He made everything. And she was like, yeah, but before that, what, what was there? And I was like, well, there wasn't anything before God. And she said, so she asked me, so, so how did God start? And I said, well, he didn't start. He existed before time. And she said, well, how can something be before time? And it was as though she had taken me by the hand and just gently led me to the edge of my brain. I was like, <laughs> I don't know. Because time is a little bit mind-blowing, isn't it? As is this idea that God's experience um, and interaction with time is fundamentally different to ours. He's not subject to it. He's able to exist outside of it. He's not before it because there's no before time. He's, he's beyond it. The great theologian Augustine conceded, what then is time? If no one asks me, I know what it is. If I wish to explain it to him who asks, I do not know. Yeah, fair. Our modern um, scientific world has thus far discovered that our observable universe seems to comprise four fundamental concepts. Um, you've got um, matter and energy interacting in an arena of space and time. And 
that's about as far as I can go with the science of it all. But what's interesting, I think, is that in this Genesis passage that we just um, read, we see all four of those things being created by a sovereign God. The earth, the, the matter of the universe is formed and it's set in space and arranged by him. Light and energy is created and time begins. And we read how the first unit of time, the day, is created. So we see that time is actually God's idea. It's part of his creation. And it's therefore part of the created universe that God describes a few verses later as good. And once humans show up, we begin to see how important it is to us. Um, Again, this is a little bit sort of uh, philosophical, but if you think about it for a second, when God created humanity, he created a bit of a conundrum because the question, how can humans, these created finite creatures, have relationship with an infinite God? How can they fulfill their purpose of reflecting the nature of an infinite God when they themselves are finite? And the answer to that question is one bit at a time one moment at a time. And that's the first way that time presents us with an opportunity. Time is a means through which we can live and experience and express the fullness of our humanity and experience relationship with him in a way that suits our limited human faculties bit by bit. Time is an opportunity because it allows us to experience the fullness of our humanity. There's a really famous um, passage from a, a, um, a book in the Bible right, of, of philosophical writings, um, this l- book called Ecclesiastes. And uh, it talk, there's a famous passage that talks about this in chapter 3. It says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. And it continues talking about different seasons before the writer concludes, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Now, as I said, um, this, this book is a, is a philo- philosophical book. It's a book where the author's mind wonders and wonders, in both sense of that word, upon God's nature, exploring existential concepts. And so we, we have to read it in that way. We read this as philosophy, not as facts. But like the rest of the Bible, this text is inspired by God. It's a source of truth and guidance. And the truth that we see weaved into this passage is this observation that as humans, we experience different seasons of life. Seasons of searching, of laying things to rest, seasons of mourning, but also seasons of dancing. Not all seasons are enjoyable, not all seasons are good, but experiencing different seasons is part of expressing our nature, the way we've been designed. And whatever season we face, God's heart is to enable us to meet him there in that time, the way we were created to do. But sometimes, I don't know if you would um, recognize this, but I certainly do, in our, ha- in our haste to kind of pigeonhole a certain season into a category of good or bad, or just through impatience, 
I can sometimes treat the season of life that I'm in with a, with a sense of disdain because I just want to move on to the next thing. I don't know if you've ever felt that. And in doing so, we overlook the opportunity that that season presents us to embrace God's presence and his purpose in that moment of now. Um, I read somewhere, you know that, there's that famous Latin phrase, carpe diem, seize the day. Um, one way that you could translate that Latin is, is, is pluck this moment in the same way that you would pluck a piece of fruit while it's ripe and before it begins to spoil. I thought that was a really nice image because in the same way, no matter what season we're in, that moment of time presents us with an opportunity that we can either pass up or we can embrace and pluck while it's ripe, while God has ripened us, ripened it. A little, little example of this um, for my wife Abby and I, um, as you probably can guess from that previous story, we are in a season of life now where it takes ages to get our kids to bed. Um, because asking difficult theological questions, just one of their many tactics. Um, you know, the others like um, requesting one more story, demanding that we kiss every single teddy, um, a sudden um, development of severe tummy ache, or just remembering something of vital importance that must be discussed immediately, like um, what they're going to have in their packed lunchbox tomorrow. And it's frustrating for us as parents because this is beginning to impinge on our time, my time. I want to get back downstairs and enjoy my time. And anyway, I was reflecting about this situation with a friend recently who's in a similar phase of life. And we, saw, we ended up confessing with one another how possessive of that time we quickly become and how we can end up snapping at our kids or warning them, you know, like, no, you go to bed now. It's time to go to bed. And as we discussed it, we, it, it, we were reminded that this season will pass. There will come a day where our kids won't crave our attention in the same way. There will come a day when they won't want us to be in their bedroom at all. And there will come a day where they will leave home. And in those days, we will perhaps remember these precious years where we tuck them up in bed and kiss them and their teddies goodnight. And we're reminded this is a season to be seethed while it's ripe and lived. And it might be that in some way, you are in a season like that now. And if that's the case, the question that I want to ask is, why, why wait until the future before appreciating that you are currently in what you will come to call the good old days? You know, it might be that you're starting up a new business or something like that. It's really hard work, but you'll, you'll reflect back. Or it might be that you're just, you know, in the middle of a really challenging project, but you'll come to recognize, wow, that was a great time. Or perhaps you're training and developing um, so that you can go on and do something else. These might be the years that you reflect on what fun you had as you learned so much. Now, I do appreciate that for others in the room, it might be that you're in a less positive season of life. You might be in a season of mourning or loss or illness. And, of course, and in fact, I, I know there are many of you in the room who are in that place today. And it might feel like currently you long just for the pain to numb, and for healing and recovery to happen. And you want to just move on now. But what if God is available to be present to you in your current season and wants to meet you there? What if there is a value and a purpose and part of your humanity to be expressed in a godly way in this current season? In my experience, 
Um, personally, it, as I reflect, it was a season of bereavement in my life that eventually led me into a journey of exploring faith and eventually a genuine relationship with Jesus. Or just reflecting on my relationship with Abby in our marriage, our trust in one another has been forged most deeply when we faced the biggest obstacles. When you're in a season of waiting or searching, you may feel like life is on hold until you found whatever it is, that certain relationship or that job, or, through you, or until you've got through whatever struggle you're in the middle of. But the question I'm asking is, what if there is more to now than just waiting for what's next? So often, I think we see time as just the thing that stands between us and our destiny, the thing that we want to get to, um, the goals that we want to achieve. And I think the sort of the message that we get from our culture isn't necessarily helpful here because our culture tells us that, you know, if you, if you believe um, that, you know, and long for something, if that's the, what's on your heart, then, you know, nobody and no thing has got the right to deny you that. You'll get there one day, keep on going. But really, um, we kid ourselves when we embrace that narrative because the Bible says, you know, in Proverbs chapter 16, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. And the Bible repeatedly emphasizes that our lives are fullest when we pursue not our plans, but God's plans for our lives. Just one example in 1 John, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. And so here really I'm beginning to introduce the second opportunity that I think time presents us with. It enables us to see God's unchanging plans worked out. The Bible, and I think history also teaches us, that God and God alone has the power and the authority to not just promise, but also deliver on his plans. And there are just countless, well, not, not countless, because you can count them, but there are so many examples of this in the Bible. Uh, just a couple, Joshua chapter 21. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Everyone was fulfilled. Lamentations chapter 2, the Lord has done what he planned. He has fulfilled his word, which he decreed long ago. A couple of examples, but, you know, one way of seeing the two parts of the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, is that the New Testament is essentially the fulfillment of the plans and the promises of the Old Testament, particularly and most profoundly in the life of Jesus, as the fulfillment of God's many Old Testament promises uh, to send his people a saviour. And it's through the life of Jesus that we see this incredible story of God, the creator of time, stepping into it, stepping into his creation, stepping into flesh, and living a life, a perfect life, dying for us on a cross, and then being resurrected as our saviour. And without the passage of time, we wouldn't be able to appreciate or recognize that story, that big Bible storyline, God's plan to love and save us fulfilled. And so it's true on a macro level, but I think it's also true on a, on a personal micro level in our own personal journeys. It's only as we reflect on time sometimes that we see how God has been guiding us all along. Um, a, a small example again in my life, one night years ago whilst attending um, a vineyard conference, I came forward for prayer in the ministry time after the speaker. And it wasn't, it wasn't here, but um, 
it was packed, and this area, the equivalent of this area here was just rammed, and I was right at the back. I was sort of like in the aisles somewhere, waiting for somebody to pray. And this guy I'd never met came up and prayed for me, and he shared a prophetic word, and he said, I think God is saying, um, you're at the back, um, but he wants you at the front. Um, and then he kind of carried on. He said, I, what, I, think, what, I think God's saying that he wants to, you, actually, where the lectern is, he wants you to be on the stage you're preaching. That's what he's, you're going to speak to people. And um, at the time, that didn't really feel like a particularly accurate word to me. It didn't resonate in any way particularly. And uh, in fact, actually, I, I seem to remember thinking this guy was a bit irresponsible for going around talking to people that he didn't know, saying stuff like that. I was like... <laughs> And only now are you beginning to appreciate how irresponsible he was. <laughs> In the moment, the word didn't have very much impact on me, is what I'm saying. But years later, I have come to recognize that that word was part of God laying the ground for something that he would later call me to. It was his plan. And in the Bible, we see this frequently and in much more profound ways. Um, Moses and David both had years of being a shepherd to prepare them for shepherding a nation in later life. Jacob had years of wrestling with God to soften his heart to a posture of surrender from which he could then lead. God told um, Abraham all that he was going to do in his life before it happened. And so in each of those cases, they were able to look back and see that it was God's plans and it was God who was deserving of the glory. God uses time to establish his plan for our lives. And what that means is that every day presents us with new opportunities to embrace that. And I just want to highlight three ways that we can do that. We can record, we can reflect, or we can respond. If you're a small group leader, I've just planned small group for you this week. Three things. Record. Um, there's, a, there's a story in the Bible um, when um, the Lord dried up the River Jordan miraculously so that the Israelites could cross across in dry, on dry ground. And they took with them stones from the riverbed to remember what God had done. And I just, I, I, I love that image of, you know, just, you know, children and grandchildren, you know, there's this big stone in the corner of the house. What's that stone, granddad? And granddad's like, let me tell you what that stone is. It was a record of what God had done. And so for you, today might be an opportunity to record what you feel God is saying to you right now, to take notes, to write it down, to capture. What are you feeling? What are you experiencing? Because in years to come, you'll be able to reflect on what he did in your life. And the thing that I love, one thing that I love about this is that this is something you can do even if you're not really sure what you believe about God at the moment. Even if you wouldn't describe yourself as a believer, you might have doubts. I'd encourage you to write down what you're feeling. Write down the sense, what you sense God might be saying to you or the questions that you're asking. If somebody has, um, shares a prophetic word with you, even if you're really sceptical about whether you believe in that, write it down because... I, it may become precious to you in years to come. For example, that word that that guy gave me didn't feel particularly important to me at the time. But now, years later, if I'm you know, writing a sermon and it's not coming together and I'm wondering, you know, really, should I be doing this? That's a word that I can reflect on. I can, I can take it back to God and go, okay, God, you got me into this, so how are you going to get me through it? Because other times... 
um, having recorded moments, the moment that we live is an opportunity to reflect, to reflect back and remember, oh yeah, that was, that was the moment that God spoke to me. To reflect back years and go, yes, that was the moment that God came into my life when he saved me. Or I see now that that was the person that he sent into my life at that particular point. And when we do that, the natural response is to, is to just give thanks and recognize that he is faithful and that his plans are best for us. I think sometimes us humans, we do, we do tend to think that we're the center of the universe and that time is simply a backdrop for our personal storyline to shine. But time is about his story. It's about God's story, God's plans, God's glory. And I think it's only when we grasp that that we begin to appreciate the privilege it is that actually God invites us to participate in the whole thing. And we begin to see that time is not our possession. It's simply something that we've been entrusted with to steward. It's not designed to be a source of stress, but simply an opportunity to respond to where he's leading us. And so for some of us in the room, that might be the opportunity that we have today, to respond, to ask God, okay, God, so what do you want me to do with this year? What do you want me to do with the week that I have ahead of me? Or what, what do you want me to do right now in this moment? Just think about that for a second. What does he want you to do right now? And, and if you're not sure, if you're ever not sure what God is asking you to do with your time, I just want to finish with one final opportunity that time presents us with. One way of um, using our time that I believe is never fruitless and never a waste in God's eyes. And that is op- the third opportunity. Time allows the gospel to be shared. Um, one of Jesus' friends, Peter, um, wrote these words. He said, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. It's highlighting God has a different relationship, a different deal with time to we do. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He says, whilst... You know, whilst nobody knows when Jesus is returning, it could be in 2,000 years, it could be in two minutes. Nobody, none of us know. But what we do see is that when God gives us each day, when he's giving us time, it's an indicator of his grace and his mercy because it's time that he's affording us such that as many as possible would come to know Jesus. That as many people as possible, God desires that none of his children would perish and that everyone would come to recognize his love for them and turn from living a life centered around their own desires and turn towards a life of accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And every day that we experience is therefore a sign of God's ongoing patience and kindness and love for humanity. And it's also to us, to to, to those of us who, who follow Jesus, an opportunity to respond, to partner with God in this big agenda. Each day we each have our own little agenda of what we want to accomplish, but God's big agenda is that people, the world would be saved. And he's inviting us to participate in this. Now, talking about sharing the gospel, talking to people about Jesus, when it comes to that, um, personally in my life, it's something that I can often put off until tomorrow. But the reality is that one day, 
there may not be a tomorrow. And the reality is, many of us, we live next door to neighbours, and we know, actually, a truth that has the power to save them. We know we have knowledge that has the power to transform their life. And yet, day in, day out, we feel comfortable not sharing it with them because, you know, there will always be tomorrow, but one day there may not be. Um, And I just felt like preparing a sermon around the topic of time, it would be incomplete without mentioning this reality. Just an example of it, again, this was a few years ago now. Abby and I lived next door to this couple for about five years, and we sort of knew them well enough to say hello and have a quick chat. And we always planned to get to know them better, but of course life was busy. And so it was more like, you know, coming in and out of the house, hello, how are you doing? Um, And even eventually a, a for sale sign went up outside their house, but that didn't sort of kick us into action until, of course, the day came when the neighbor knocked on the door and said, oh, we're moving today. Uh, It's been nice living next door to you. And I felt this sense of panic and finally a sense of urgency stir inside me. And I was thinking, what if what if these are the people, what if we are the people that God placed next door to share the message of the gospel with them? And in a bit of a flap, can't really remember what I said, but I just blurted out something about God loves you, um, something about church. I don't know. It was a bit of a car crash. And he just looked slightly confused. And I realized afterwards. I'd had all those years and I didn't use them. Similarly, a friend, a small group was sharing recently that whilst praying, she felt a sense that God was prompting her to share her faith with a particular person um, who she didn't see very often and she didn't respond immediately, but she said, but actually then before I did get around to speaking to them again, I discovered that they had suddenly and unexpectedly died. And so please hear me in that. What I'm not trying to do is make anyone feel any sense of panic or guilt about this. Um, When it comes to sharing faith as well, I would be the first to acknowledge my shortcomings in that area. But I'm simply trying to highlight the reality that our time is finite. Our opportunities to share the good news of the gospel and our faith with others, they are finite. That doesn't mean we need to go out in a manic frenzy this afternoon trying to thrust the gospel on everybody, anybody who's breathing. Peter, the same guy, also reminds us that we're always to be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this, he says, with gentleness and respect. We're to be gentle, we're to be kind, but we are to see the opportunity. And we're to be thankful for the fact that God kindly and graciously gives us today. He gives us more opportunities to share his love and his message with people. Sign of his immeasurable grace. And just a little example of that. um, Talking about neighbours. As I was writing this talk and writing that story about my neighbours, I looked outside um, my window to see a remo- the house that we're currently living in, a removal van turned up, and our new next-door neighbours were just spilling out of their cars as I was um, sort of writing this story. And I just thought, nice one, God, new opportunity. And I got the opportunity to go round and say hi and, you know, um, get in the way of the removal people, helpfully. But that's a sign of, of God's grace. He gives us each day. So those are my thoughts about time. And I wonder, how do you want to see time? How do you want to experience time in your life? Do you want to see it as a source of stress and worry? Or do you want to see each day as an opportunity? Do you want to see your days as things to be filled 
or obstacles to get through? Or do you want to see each day as an opportunity that God has ripened perfectly for you, ready to be plucked and lived? Do you want the changing seasons to express the fullness of the humanity that God has given you? And do you want to reflect back in years to come, lamenting on your flawed human plans or his sovereign plans and purposes for your life as a life lived as a fitting response to his love for you? Because if you do, I believe that this year is an opportunity for you. This week is an opportunity for us. And even this moment right now is an opportunity. So let's share it together. So can I invite you just to stand... Um, if you're able to, I think one or two others are going to join us here.